0: Hey, it's Jeff, and you got episode 66 of the Church Digital Podcast, powered by Stadia Church Planning. Uh, We're going to wrap up a series we're doing here in this episode, and it's a long episode, so I'm just going to get right to it. We're exploring the idea of what a digital church looks like. And for for several episodes here, this is the third part. We've been doing a, a deep dive into the biblical ecclesiology, into the biblical functions of what a digital church should be. So check out the show notes, episode 65, we talked about fellowship. Episode, well, I think it was way back, it was like episode 50, maybe. We actually talked in greater detail about worship, about teaching, uh, about giving, and about some of those things that really contextually make church church. At least that's the perception of what makes church church. What's interesting in this conversation today this third part, we really start to get into the, the granular details of things that don't often come up in conversation. Uh, justice, compassion, uh, local missions, being on mission at a personal level. While we're in the season of being digital-only church, it's really interesting how much of this granular-level detail are we seeing are we as a church expressing compassion in this season yes or no are we expressing justice yes or no are we expressing how are we serving the the communities that we're in locally yes or no what does it look like and it's fascinating how maybe maybe even today as we've thrown digital church together as quick as we could thank you very much COVID 19 maybe we're still missing some of what this looks like digitally And as we're landing the plane here on this series, we're going to bring in a bunch of online pastors again, talking about this idea, landing the plane on the biblical functions of a digital church. So we're bringing in Ian Kirk, Generations Community Church online pastor, Jason Morris, Global Innovations Pastor of Westside Family, Joey Santos, Christ Church. Uh, We're bringing in Jade Earhart, uh, digital pastor over at Love Clan, myself, Jeff, and the church digital in a conversation that I'm calling. Yeah, this is all the stuff that we forgot to do when COVID came, or otherwise known as biblical functions of a digital church. Part three. Okay, everybody, here you go. Number number six on this list: disciple making. Disciple making.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I define it uh, a disciple as somebody that hears and follows God, um, and a disciple maker is somebody that helps somebody else hear and follow God. You know, just to just okay. to put it as like as as plainly as as possible. Um, and so if um, in an online setting, what is, what is that, uh, again, what, what does that look like? Um, I, I can't help but, but think of Paul as an example. Um, and I like that you mentioned earlier, you know, that Paul said, I wish I could be with you, but I'm there in spirit. And, you know, how, how does he communicate that? How, do, how does how do they know that he's that he wants to be there in spirit? How does how do they know that? They know that because he wrote them a letter, and he sent it non-physically while he was in jail to them. You know what I'm saying? Is it's like it's crazy because even at the very beginning stages of this, if Paul had the ability to send an email, do you think he would have done it instead of writing that letter? <laughs> do you think that Paul would have zoomed those people and said, "Man, I really wish I could be with you." Too bad I only have pen and paper. I could use Zoom, but I don't think that's a good way for me to, to meet with you, you know? I, I think I'll just use pen and paper because this is better spiritually. I, it's crazy to me, like, the, the thinking that must go on to, to come to the conclusion to use something that Paul wrote with pen and paper and then hand it to somebody else to deliver and then use that as an excuse for why people can't do some of these things or can't encourage other people without being there physically is it's like do you not do you not see the like how much that doesn't make sense you know it, it's crazy to me but i but matthew uh 28 19, 20, uh go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you and behold i'm with you until uh, always until the end of the age right okay so if that is our if that is our great commission we, we said even you know whatever expos as the that. key verse and that's how can we do that together as a as a church. The there are there are things that are very specific in there about disciples that um, you know you baptize them. Okay, so how do you baptize in excl online exclusive? Again, I think there's reasons for physical. Like I I I think that it, there is something important about baptizing somebody physically, only because I see also the. You know that the the laying on of hands and the the receiving of the Holy Spirit. There's there is something where it says they were baptized in the name of Jesus, um, and that they didn't receive the Spirit. You know, and so I don't. You know, that's something to wrestle with. Um, and so I do I do actually like the idea of physically baptizing somebody, um, but. Even that, I, I think I would still say we have to figure out if that if that's something that there's a why of why we do this, or if it's something we've been commanded. I land more on the commanded side for that one, but the the um the the specific there on uh you know go into all nations. How, how, when have we had a better opportunity to do that, guys? You know. Exactly then right now where I can just call somebody up. I have somebody from India sending me Facebook messages asking because he's just overwhelmed that there's so many people that he's discipling. And he's just like, I give me any resources. I'll take anything. Just zoom me anytime. Call me, you know? And it's like, that's crazy. You know, I can't go to, I, I mean, I could, I don't have the money, but I can't just fly over to India and go, you know, but in, in 10 seconds, I could be connected with this guy. And, and a lot of our excuses fly out the window where if somebody's saying, you know, well, why are you doing this in a virtual space? It's almost like, I mean, you better be just slamming in your physical space then because there's no longer any excuses. Like if you're not, you don't have a, a flight every day. I don't know how you're getting to all nations. So anyway, I'll end it. Yep. I'll, I'll drop it there, but that. Yeah.
0: Well, the one thing that I think I want to want to highlight here, and then we'll hand off to Ian. So sorry for cutting you off um it's the priesthood of all believers right like there there's an implication here and this may be something that a digital church even does better than the physical church would um a a digital church i believe the strength of a digital church is in empowering an individual with that priesthood of all believers it is it is your job to go make disciples within your circle of influence it's not your job to hand them an invite card and invite them to come sit in in a service uh, it's your job to have those hard conversations. And I think that's really that generational aspect I was trying to communicate through earlier. The The core of that is, man, I am empowering you um, as as the leader of a digital church. I'm empowering you to go out there and, and have that circle of influence, have those conversations. That's the, And that's the heart of like the online to offline model. Which, is, which permeates through healthy church online. Thank you very much, Jay Cranda. But essentially, it's, it's this idea that the gospel that we learn in the offline, online world, the gospel that we learn in the online world affects our offline world. And if the only Christian that we are is in virtual spaces, then really, we're no better at generating Christians and disciple makers than that one-hour service on Sunday where the only Christ they show is the one where they're sitting in the pew in the back of the room. And so the if, if we're really trying to get to that 24 seven, then the people who are involved in this digital church need to be showing their Christ, need to be representing Christ in that physical space as well as in the virtual space.
2: It's kind of interesting. We're going through these conversations and the fellowship, I was digging in and just listening to all you guys are saying because it was so good. And I was like, man, I really have nothing to offer there. Uh, um, and I think it was um, so uh, interesting to me is that even for us who have this incredible opportunity to be in the digital environment all the time—that's what we do—we end up leaning back towards to trying to almost explain or justify how this can be in a way better or more efficient than the physical church today. Um, and, I, I, and I really think I agree with Jeff b- this, that the, the, the best way for this to work is has to look different. It, it has to, it, it, because some of those things are already happening. Um, I, I, think, I think you understand what I'm saying. I'm not so concerned about the impact that this is going to have uh, in a local church because the local church has its purpose because that's why the name is local. And I think local pastors need to understand their role as a, as a pastor of a local church. I think, I think one of the things that digital church is going to be able to help is help pastors to have more like a local mindset instead of a global mindset and allow the digital church make that impact because the reality is when we go digital, we're automatically a global church. So discipleship is definitely going to look different because I'm now discipling somebody from India, and Pakistan, and the US. And there's a chance these people all may be in the same room. Uh, When we talk about fellowship, it's kind of interesting because we're fellowship with the global community, right, at at times. And I think there'll be times where we're going to be fellowship with everybody from the US. That's great. But as I look at these discussions, and I'm thinking, I think we need to, one, help local churches, the physical church to really redefine the importance of being local because the local community need that local church and allow the digital church to be, fulfill this global um, calling that the church has, but now we can do this in a much faster way uh, to fulfill that. And that's gonna look different. That's going to That's gonna shake some people up. In terms of, I don't feel good. How this? That's okay. <laughs> that's that. That's the reason why we have the word innovation. It's gonna, it's gonna shake you up a little bit. It's gonna, it's gonna get you there. So I, I think that's a big part of it for for us. I think both fellowship and discipleship. Oh man, that's already happening. Happening so many. I I am absolutely right. This has been happening for decades. But the reality is today we have this conversation here because the videos never had, never put the local church in check. And today the digital church, it creates this thing with local church because it was like, man, you're gonna take people out of my church. People are gonna step away from my, from my peels, step out away from my chairs. If we implement this thing, the videos that I'm watching at home, that's great. They're not taking my people away from my church. And I think that is, that is this environment that we are in. And I think we have the opportunity. I think we, in this, this conversation, as we talk about the digital churches, what discipleship looks like in a local church for the people, they're local and they're there and also need Jesus. And what's the, pay, the job of the digital church that actually can take that and explode to, to a global environment?
1: Let's not jump too far ahead, because that's ten.
0: <laughs>
3: I, I think sorry. Joey, you're
0: you're no, no, no. On something. But, yeah, let's look. At, and sorry, because I want to hand off. But yeah, let's let's shift this up because I'm looking at at 9, 10, and eleven. Nine is mission. Ten is uh, what I would assume is is uh um you know being on mission. Ten is global missions. Eleven is body ministry, which I'm considering you know, ministry uh, within the church body.
2: When you look at these breakdowns of what uh, the, the discipleship and fe- what fellowship looks like, well, in a local church, we look at a specific meeting that we call fellowship. And then we go to a Bible class. That's what we call discipleship. And that in a digital church, all these 11 items happen in one setting. You know, one meeting, you can have yeah. all 11 of those. Yeah,
3: I think that what Joey is touching on, and I think Jade uh, and Ian, they, they were touching on this too, that I think— as I think about it would be helpful to just take a little bit of a step back where we're looking at and trying to force this whole thing into a digital only expression when the truth of the matter is there is not any church that I know of that is physical only either so when we're talking about um, like the prevailing model of church show me an example that doesn't use a telephone, a cell phone, a PA system, electricity, that only meets without any TVs or anything, that exclusively is face-to-face, physical proximity ministry. I don't know of one. The truth of the matter is, is that there's a spectrum here. And it's not really a matter of is it digital only or physical only, because those things, honestly, I think are kind of, straw man arguments because they don't really exist. Most of us live in physical and digital at the same time. And I think the question is where on that continuum is the most healthy for certain things or the most uh, evangelistic for certain things? And I think when we get into like these other expressions of church like nine, 10 and 11, you might find that on the spectrum, the digital expressions of church do a much better job Whereas maybe they're weak in other areas of, of the spectrum. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let, let, me, let me speak to that a little bit. At least this is, this is what's in my head as, as I've heard that type of question and, and, and wrestle with it. Um, the difference between like a physical church having a website, so therefore they have a digital strategy. When I talk about a digital church, I think what's in my head is looking at digital as a community. Uh, and, and so to me that, you know, Jate, what he's doing, he's looking at video gamers and reaching into a digital community of video gamers, obviously DJ Soto. And, and, and so for me, that's kind of the, the difference not. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 dude, I could, I can give you the spiel right now why every church should have a fidgetal strategy, uh, one that works physically and one that works digitally and how it aligns together. Uh, and And so like that, is a completely separate conversation and one that i don't that i don't want to necessarily get into with this because i with this particular conversation uh, i really want to target into this idea of, of digital community now what's interesting going all the way back to like to joey's uh point where it all kind of meshes in, into one yeah i kind of i kind of feel that as well um and if i'm looking at you know um being on mission um, serving in global missions and then serving body ministry, which I'm taking contextually to mean serving the the church. You know, I, and I, I don't mean to, to speak ill will. Maybe I'm, I'm out of context and you guys can, can speak up. But a lot of times, you know, serving in, in that body ministry is what I hear a lot of within the physical churches. Because it takes you know 200 greeters at a megachurch to greet everybody that's walking in, and you got to have the praise team and, and the and, and and just the building itself. You know, Joey, you were talking last time about how we've just we've constructed these massive properties, uh, and it takes so much to maintain them and keep them up. And, and as nonprofits, we need those those people to speak into that. Um, Jason's kind of looking at me weird, so I definitely want to give him a chance to speak. But it feels like the the physical church needs a lot of those people who are doing the body ministry, serving within the church, um, but maybe not tasking people to be on mission. The, oftentimes that disciple making gets lost among serving among the
3: church itself. One of the things that you mentioned, Jeff, that for me kind of makes me think turn my head sideways is when you define body ministry as only being fulfilled within the context of a church service. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where digital... Help me define it. Yeah, I think that's where digital um, maybe has some challenges, but also some unique opportunities. Because when I think of body ministry, I'm thinking about somebody that would be willing to help me move, or somebody that would be willing to you know if i throw my back out to mow my lawn that in my mind is body ministry where we're serving one another or perhaps you know like we were talking before share a meal or you know talk with somebody if they're feeling down or pray with someone that in my mind is body ministry and unfortunately sometimes the church service can take away from the focus of that real body ministry that could be happening when we think oh I served today because I greeted at the door and I don't really know anybody's name and I haven't really sat down and you know done a hospital visit or something like that. You know, I've done hospital visits from people that beforehand I had met exclusively online. And then I met up the very first time I saw them was in the hospital. That is body ministry. Now it's not digital, but it was um, catalyzed by digital for that body ministry to occur and if you take out the church service how much more time do we have now to be freed up to do real body ministry in ways that are more innovative and more personal than we did before and
0: that almost gets back to the to, the place of personal ministry like and it's funny like the whole thing of of helping somebody move or, or whatever um by the way i'm the guy who's driven a truck 20 years of his life i i'm like on speed dial with dozens of people now I drive a Jeep but I still get the calls here's the thing though like if you're not doing the service man how much more able are you to connect within your within your your community around you and that's part of that online to offline philosophy where the gospel yeah helping somebody move can be an opportunity to share the gospel or 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 to speak in or show show share or show I'm not sure what word I was trying to say share or show the love of Christ uh, so, man, I love that. Thank you very much, Jason Morris. Any other thoughts um, in, in context of here? Body ministry. What would global missions look like? What would global missions look like in, in a digital church? I mean, Are I got some things and we in my head. Now?
1: I don't uh, we, we had an order, and now we're just kind of like, well, just pop it. <laughs> like, you know what? We'll come back to 11, 7 and we go to 10. We haven't hit on we're 7. Good. We're yeah. good. We're hanging out 9, 10,
0: 11. Yeah. Um, global mission, global mission, body ministry. Let's look at that as a group. If I go one by one, we will never finish this podcast. <laughs> we'll be back for like episode four of it. All right. So, uh, global missions, what would that look like?
4: Like it already does right now. I mean, it really is, as Joey said, it's global already. It's kind of, uh, I guess I would say moot. It's already international. There's nothing we can do about it. I still remember the, I think it was our second or third streaming service that I ever led. I had somebody from India streaming with me, watching it. And it was, it was amazing to all of a sudden go, wait a minute. I am not just talking about my local context. I am now digital. I am now international whether I like it or not, whether I view it that way or not, whether I set my keywords uh, for my SEO correctly or not, I'm still international.
3: As a missionary in Paraguay, um, I was there for almost nine years, and it used to frustrate me to death when I would read the Great Commission and it says go into all the world, because at that point, I'd only hit, you know, a couple, maybe three countries and I felt frustrated um, because I really wanted to do what Jesus said, go into all the world. And one of the big benefits I have right now through online ministry is I get to do that. I feel like I am able to now actually do what Jesus said better than I was when I was a missionary in in Paraguay. And I just got back from a trip to Laos and Thailand with all of our partners and, um, we're empowering at this point um, somewhere in the neighborhood of around 2000 churches Um, and they're all all around the world and we're using digital tools to make that happen and i feel like that that is a greater opportunity in the digital space because we're already international anyway because it removes digital like technology tends to be a force multiplier that removes obstacles and one of the main things that online ministry that technology removes is space in that geography doesn't matter anymore we literally can go into all the world and i think that is a benefit that digital ministry has over physical and that is uh something that we should be leveraging more and more
1: you really also um like like you're saying ian it it's already happening uh in in our group um, we would we actively would love to see more people from other nations just because it gives us a rounder perspective of what's going on in the world um, but we, we do have that even in our, uh, our core uh, group we've just people have come up we haven't specifically looked for somebody that was from another nation but just because of who's active we have active team members that are like our core group from uh, Australia um, one of one person was from America, and he just moved to uh, Korea. So um, we've have that. There's a yeah, interesting time to move. Uh, the time of this is coronavirus is going around. Um, yeah, I, I, we we have there, there's people from Thailand. There's uh, a guy from UK. Like that, they, just kind of naturally, that's what happens. Um, but. Where I really see an, uh, a huge, a huge extra component to that is if we look at like in Acts, um, they they notice that well, um, Agabus says there's going to be a um, a famine and we should collect and distribute to other churches. Uh, and and today, man, it's so interesting when the like church down the street we're like, well, but if that church, what if they, what if they take all of our people, you know? And just that complete, you know, whatever. That, that's just something we have to deal with physically that we need to get past. But in a, in a uh, digital, even, um, th- there is that opportunity for seeing other people that, you know, who is your neighbor is, is kind of the question. Like, is my neighbor also this person in the UK? Is this person uh, that's streaming in from India and from Africa and whatever? And your your context in a digital Uh, really turns into where's the need of the church and if who your neighbor who is my neighbor means also the person from africa that's in your group um you're you can just imagine what the thinking changes into uh and instead of whatever it is here where it's like well what kind of um you know video screen would best reach our our viewing audience you know what i mean like i don't know are they going to think that we're too cheap if we do like 1080p instead of 720p you know like or, or like what, what is our what is our thing here and and your context just changes when like half of your members are in a totally different nation where the government may be abusive and and even your even your preaching and stuff will change because you just see the the verses completely differently and i think there's a lot of things that that aren't even thought about about w- what actually happens when you see when you see global mission as your mission um and and like jason's saying you know when he's in another nation his thinking is yeah for other nations but he's also thinking about just differently than he would if he's only trying to reach um the person there and i think a lot of people that's one of the things they really they dive into when they see like we're trying to do a video game ministry is it's like or you're just not thinking about all these other things because, you know, oh, that's only going to reach gamers. And what about, what about that person on the street? What about the homeless guy or whatever? Well, I've been given a calling. This is my specific thing. And if your calling is for the homeless, absolutely do that. But don't think that that means we're, we're not diverse, that, that we're not thinking about other nations because there's people in other nations that are dealing with these things. So anyway, I don't, it's in there somewhere, but just it's worth mentioning.
0: One of the things, thanks for that, Jade. One of the things that that Ray and I are a part of right now, we're working with a nonprofit organization that is basically doing telehealth um, medicine uh, to uh, impoverished uh, third world type countries. And so we'll have um, American doctors, um, sometimes bilingual, um, reaching out via appropriate Zoom, but like Zoom for telemedicine. Where it matches all the the you know the legal requirements, but basically working with nurses and organizations um, like and even work partnering with churches down in like Latin and South America, and so we're we're getting volunteers, doctors to volunteer their time to serve and to see patients via Zoom through a, like a nurse practitioner or something in in these countries. That's just a, a small way of where I think. Global missions can change in context. We used to, hey, let's go and, and let's take, you know, all these doctors down, all this medical, and, and let's, you know, get everybody on a plane to go down there. And listen, I've I've done those mission trips. Those mission trips are awesome, but it's always one two weeks. Um, you know, you got to jump through all of the hurdles, and sometimes you can't get everybody to contribute and catch that vision. The doctors who are serving. And and who are seeing these patients in these third world situations, uh, impoverished nations, man, they're getting a they're getting a feel of of that trip. Now it'd be great if maybe this is a, an intermediary step towards them going, or maybe it's a replacement and then a growth of something later to come. But I think it's interesting that even telemedicine is opening up ways to do global mission in ways that maybe we hadn't anticipated before.
2: Well, one of the um, we learned in that meeting, we were in Colorado, that one of the top world crises or need is education. And I, I look at the, the, the capacity of the online church to actually take education to other countries uh, because the internet is so spread wide, like it's everywhere. Uh, and I, I, it's kind of funny, I, I look at this in looking in other countries in need and the capacity that we have that through the online church to expand the local churches in other countries by raising pastors, by raising leaders through the online environment where they can actually go to their local neighborhoods and then start a church. So I think, I think, yes, I think there's so much capacity that needs to be explored through the online, the digital church that can actually, you can do this a lot faster. I don't know in your church, but, uh, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't know a church that where 90% of the people go on mission trips. And the reason for that, one of the reasons cost. It just costs a lot of money to go on a mission trip. It costs $2,000, $3,000. So a family of five, uh, it's a very expensive uh, mission trip. But what it would look like, right? What it would look like for that family to be able to Participating in some kind of influence to be able to be online with a family that's overseas um, and doing that. And it's kind of interesting because it's already happening. So we have a uh, group of ladies in our church that actually teach English uh, to students in China uh, and then do this online and they're in contact with the parents so, they actually now exercise some kind of influence because they develop a relationship. There is the parents in China, where they're very restricted, they actually start to develop some relationships. So, there's conversations happening between these yeah. two parents who never met in person, where they start asking cultural questions. One of the interesting ones uh, was uh, one mom from China asked this mom from the US what Christmas looks like because she has no idea in China what. Christmas in America looks like so that there's a relationship start happening there uh, it's all happening digital uh, and 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 we're having the conversation like she's a, she said I'm in the mission field right now and that experience led her now to sign up to to serve in our chat room because she's having so much fun doing that she wants to do online. so I'm saying it that's so so many ways right now that can actually happen that digital church can make a much bigger impact globally uh if we if we head on really if we intentionally go for it like really like let's make it happen uh with all these spaces that we have
0: one of the things i love and this is going to go back to jade's comment a a little earlier even though even the phrase global mission trip uh, global is important because it indicates it's a different world view than what you may have Maybe, and I'm just hypothesizing here, maybe if the if the digital church had that global world view built into the DNA, maybe it's not a global mission trip. Maybe it's just being on mission with a guy or a gal in another country. Like it's not the special thing that requires the two thousand dollar and pick up, you know, flight and fly over there to do that. It's just I'm connecting with people Um, because they're who they are in Christ. And I have this similar worldview and I'm engaging through the platform that way. And we're doing ministry together um, in in a, maybe it's more pie in the sky, but I definitely see where the physical and the, and the, and the digital um, starts to blur together. But by creating this digital church idea, you are bringing in the, the domestic as well as the international ministry and it's quickly becoming one. It's it's not that it's mm. you gotta isolate or separate it, but you're bridging that together. Jake, just curious. What's the percentage of people um that are outside of US that, that connect I use the term regularly, you define it. Regularly with uh with Love Clan. Um
1: instead of Love Clan I don't I don't know. I haven't really like quantified it or thought about it. Um I would say Yeah. I mean, it's, I'd say it's, it's definitely more than 10%, probably it's, it's probably more than 10%, but it's, I don't know. I I wouldn't say it's 50%, but I honestly don't know because like chat goes so, so fast sometimes. And it, it can even, it can go at like midnight here. Um, But even, even that's weird because midnight here, um, that's like, let's see, what am I doing math wise? Uh, and you know you're looking at like 10 or 9 in the states depending so it it's even even time zones is a thing but yeah if, if the chat is going all the time it's not like i'm i'm asking everybody like oh hey you know your your english is kind of weird you know what what's your, your native language um but because usually it's just it just as seems like a normal thing especially when it's text chat yeah um but, but it, it, it's enough, it's enough that I, I, I think if somebody has an English accent in a physical church, the first thing everybody asks is like, oh, well, where are you, where are you from? You know, it's like so different. So like, oh, it's so crazy, you know, and even we, we kind of make this joke, we have somebody that has a really great accent and man, we like use that, we use that so much in the physical church for like, hey, can you read this Bible verse? For our sunday morning because if a a normal american just reads this bible verse it's not going to hit the same as if you do it with your just you know your accent your accent is just really it's got the spirit in there and we want and but like but like it's just kind of regular yeah but it's just a regular yeah it's kind of a regular thing to see international people and and to and to bring up international topics and views that 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 coronavirus that people are praying about that absolutely good people should be praying about that people right now are kind of freaking out about it in the u.s and it's interesting because like we've we there are people from in china that are that are in this chat that have talked about this for a while you know there are there are big topics that happen like when a um, volcano explodes you know in uh, the philippines like we know that happens very very fast to pray about it because our friends that are three miles away are like, I am evacuating right now. I think something's about to happen. Taking a photo. Th- this just exploded. And it's gone now. We don't know what's happening. You know, be praying for us. Like, the, the just proximity allows for how quickly you can respond in prayer. And um, th- there's a lot of other things, but I don't know. It's just there is something different. Your mindset changes to a global mission um, when when your context is global. So, I mean, that sounds really obvious and and base but it it doesn't really happen if your physical setting doesn't allow for any interaction with international and um and then it you know you could get into if that's really living out matthew 28 or not if that's the case if you're if you're only physical and you haven't thought at all about going to other things especially if that's we're talking once once a week um for churches on sundays being uh not very effective I mean, then are you gonna say that you're once every three years when you go on a missions trip to uh, Peru, you know, and like that's it? Is like is that your being effective now, you know? I don't know. That that is my, yeah, now we start awesome. with <laughs> the hate mail.
2: Yeah, to yeah. To come right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now yeah, I say, now you see why I get the hate mail. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is J A No I'm kidding. No, uh, uh, Jeff awesome. send them to Jeff Freed. <laughs> Set up the podcastcom
0: <laughs> let's let's wrap up I'm gonna combine the last two time wise and um, maybe there's a reason to keep them separated I'll let you guys tell me as we're going through um, in book order seven and eight in whatever order we are uh, 10 and 11 compassion and justice so compassion and justice uh, we're segueing probably from more practical uh, biblical functions to Uh, to more non-practical here, compassion and justice. What do y'all think about that in a digital church?
4: Well, honestly, you think about it in many respects. Compassion is already kind of happening. You have the uh, GoFundMe sites that are, you know, left and right. That is kind of a compassion and kind of experiences the same kind of deceit that uh, physical compassion often experiences. And honestly in many respects i'm wondering if as as we've been talking about this whole international thing and and the digital church i'm actually wondering if digital may be the most effective mode for justice because at that because because communication happens so quickly um this morning we had prayer uh, a prayer service uh, at our church and one of our uh, Luddite, I I shouldn't say Luddite, uh, I might be uh, using the wrong term, uh, folks that don't use technology uh, very much. Um,
1: We just say boomer, but you can use whatever.
0: (laughs) Okay, boomer. Wow.
1: Shots Sorry. fired. Sorry. It's, it's been very heavy in here. There's a little humor. I was just joking. Blood, They're great blood
0: boomer. I mean, it's, it's so easy to get us
4: confused. Love you. Awesome. Uh, keep, keep going, Ian. That oh, was awesome. Um, but he was talking about how quick communication was happening. And it struck me how quick miscommunication happens. And I realized. Uh, and that he was, as he was praying about, you know, how quickly is you you noted, Jade, that we're learning about all of these things instantaneously happening around the world. How quickly we can miscommunicate everything too. And I think that's why, uh, and I'm already, I'm starting to have to process this, like as we're doing this, is how important we are. It's going to be to think how digital will affect doing justice as we talk about you know, the Me Too movement, or Black Lives Matters movements, or any of the other uh, justice movements that are quote unquote local to the United States. Uh, we're not just talking about that, we're talking about international injustices that are happening, whether it be our martyred brothers and sisters in Christ, um, or other things. We, I'm a, I'm kind of actually at a loss for words just being blown away by the thought of how critical digital will be and is to the pursuit of justice from a Christ-centered point of view.
0: There's definitely a place where we feel looking at digital um that justice is in the hands of the Twitter account. Justice is in the hands of of the individual for that. Um and and, and that may be you know, it may be a small justice, uh, but, I mean, I, I, it was funny. My daughter said the other day, she's like, I want to be president of the United States of America. And I was like, God, I hope she's not actually successful. I, I just, I fear anyone having that sort of, of power, honestly, at this point. And I'm not even getting political by, by saying that as much as there's no way anybody can, can be successful in that, um, in that position given this day and age with, with everybody kind of sharing and having their own opinions and driving that on social media and, and fake news and everything surrounding that, you know, whatever way that you believe, there's always, you know, an opportunity for you to scream very loud at that and through social media and news, there's always somebody who's listening to that. How do we utilize some of these tools that are good for, that are providing justice, how do we utilize them for Christ? Like, and and that, that's my fear in the midst of the noise of everything else that that's happening, um, the cries for justice and the, the fear of, I do not want to get political. Um, It was funny. I just saw Jay Cranda kind of post a thing like that of why would anybody in this day and age say anything political on social media? Because it just opens up, attacks and 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 whatever he said that recently on twitter like how do we utilize digital for justice for christ without it getting lost go ahead
1: yeah so um i i am uh classically i have like i pick my battles i know it doesn't feel like i do but as far as like the the political side of things go i usually I'm pretty like, wh- whatever. I mean, I'm gonna worry about the things that are in the church because that's enough for me right now. And the world's gonna do what the world's gonna do. Um, but there are some things that I get very um, hot about. And and justice is, um, for me, I think about abortion. I think about the way that our, our, our society has decided that it is okay, um, that it is a... Um, a thing that we can can do at levels uh six or seven times the Holocaust, um, and that just that we can act like it's nothing um, so without getting into into it, I mean when I think about justice that's that's just the thing that I think about um, and that you have an opportunity to um, to really speak on uh, behalf of people who will literally never have an opportunity um, to speak so thinking on justice. I, I only preface that um, because I think it's already been spoken in, in like what you were talking about I think is very true. Um, but I, I put that hand in hand with compassion um, because of Ephesians 4:32 uh, that be kind to one another, tender-hearted or compassionate depending strong compassion, uh, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And, and, and when compassion is mentioned in the Bible, it's almost always in conjunction with forgiveness. You know, and, and those two things, justice and forgiveness allow for us to explain grace, you know, and, and, and when we're talking about people online, um, that have viewpoints that may be very different than ours, we can, we can have a strong stance in justice and at the same, but the difference I think for a lot of people is that that idea, you know, even the word justice online usually is in the context of social justice warrior, is like what what the thought is there right when i think of social justice warrior i'm very rarely thinking compassion does that make sense so it as a as a church we have an opportunity as christ believers we have a chance to actually have a strong viewpoint on justice but the difference that for what we would have against the world that element of compassion is not something that's that's usually seen, that, that's where it's kind of weird, if that makes sense, that I can have compassion on somebody who goes beyond what I see as, as just, and, and, and why, you know, because it, usually it's the viewpoint is, well, I need to be heard, and if I'm not, if somebody isn't hearing me, I can't love that person until I'm heard, if that makes sense, and you can hear somebody, you can say, this is what's just, but at the same time I have compassion on that person, I'm going to I'm going to forgive, you know, um, it doesn't mean you you become somebody's punching bag. You know, that's something else I see that happens quite often. And there's a there's a whole bunch of things we get into that. But the idea that that um, you know, I I think uh, Matthew 18, the parable of the two debtors, um, and it, the forgiveness and compassion is a, a one person job forgiveness and compassion. What takes one person? It's not, it is not, I wait for this person to do something. And then I, and then I do something. Does that make sense? So it's like the, the, the parable of the two debtors that God forgave us so much, right? The, the debtors, there's somebody that has a debt that could not be paid billions of dollars and, and then it's forgiven. And then he goes to the person that has, uh, that owes him a thousand dollars, you know, whatever. And he's like, you know, pay me all that you owe. And, and that the the idea is that if God has forgiven us so much, He's shown us so much compassion, then why would we, why would we not show other people that same compassion, right? I'm not even talking digital at this point, but so it's one, it's just one, it's one it takes one person. This isn't this isn't I wait for you to do something and then if you pay everything back, then I forgive you. You know, um, I forgive you, I forgive you because God has forgiven me so much, and the opportunity to show that online happens very regularly. If you're doing life together with people, you will have excuses, it doesn't matter if you're physical or digital at this point, you will have an opportunity to forgive somebody because they have opportunities to hurt you and they'll take it, they're human, you know? And and so I think with compassion, it it it's even less of a, is it possible in digital? And more like, is it possible for you as a person? <laughs> in general do you forgive people in your regular day life you know because if you do it in your physical location you do it probably digital and vice versa and so and for for both of these things for justice and for compassion i think people um they're both like very deep concepts um but they're they're very internally deep you know and and justice is looking at justice for the rest of the world but even then compassion is just is totally internal you know your ability to uh, forgive people or not.
0: Yeah. I think there, there's a, there's an opportunity to, to be split minded here where um, you could see someone be very compassionate um, in a physical environment, but to be very uh, judgmental and unforgiving and virtual. Uh, it's funny. I'm actually r- reminded of the two memes or a meme, a video meme of the two dogs and they're just little you know yappy dogs and they're just yapping at each other through the fence not realizing that the fence is a gate that's opening and the gate just slowly starts to shift to the right and all of a sudden these dogs that are yapping at each other just yelling at each other through the fence are face to face and there's nothing preventing them from tearing them apart except their own fear of what it would be like and, and then they just kind of walk away without saying anything because now, like, they don't have the freedom to yell at each other without reciprocating that. I can totally see where you could you would, have a situation in a digital-only or digital-first expression of church where the church is or an individual is maybe leaning one side in a virtual environment and then another in real life. Just like I could see somebody being one way on a Sunday morning sitting in the pew— and that's not affecting them kind of Monday through Saturday, so to speak. And so there there's there's an opportunity here I would suggest for the church, just like digital, physical, whatever. I think this is a problem, J you alluded to it, that goes across all medium, is like we need to show that compassion. We need to understand the grace um that allows us the opportunity to, to have the voice of justice without that forgiveness without understanding that, without the humility of just as Christ forgave us, so we should forgive others. I don't know. I look at the world today, um, and, and I just see a whole bunch of, man, these people need some humility. These people need need some Christ in their life and need to start to exude that first. I, you know, the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, I, I don't see a lot of blessed are the outraged uh, across the Bible, yet strangely, it seems like that's, that's all we see um, in the world today. And I'm not just talking secular, I'm talking church as well. Well, that's awesome. Hey, man, Jade, thanks for that. What other, what other thoughts, what other feedbacks we got on this before we wrap up?
3: Um, one of the things that I was thinking about was that digital tools, for whatever reason, tend to be a little bit more polarized, where you have the megaphone and the telephone. And when you're talking about justice and compassion, I think that for whatever reason, when you start leaning toward the megaphone side of that equation, whether that be physical or digital, it tends to be more destructive. When you see scripture, uh, like when, whenever you're talking about justice or compassion, it always brings me back to that of scripture in the Old Testament that says, do justice, which is different than speaking justice. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly mm-hmm. that feels like to me more of a telephone expression rather than a megaphone expression of what justice and compassion can look like and when you see the vast majority of the times where even jesus was doing justice and showing compassion in the vast majority it was more on the individual side of the expression rather than the megaphone side of the expression if you understand what i'm saying totally. so i think that in, in the physical space, the pulpit is used in the same destructive ways that Twitter can be used as a megaphone. Whereas when you're talking to, to people one-on-one or you're talking using the digital tools like telephone or one-on-one conversations, a lot of those things don't even matter because it's kind of like taking away the gate. And it's like, oh, I'm talking with a regular person. Now I can do justice I can love mercy. I can walk humbly in the digital space or in the physical space. I think getting one-on-one with people really helps to share the love of Jesus and to do justice and to show compassion.
4: And I think what you you pointed out, Jason, was one of the pitfalls of digital is it has a tendency to be megaphone-oriented, at least the way we're currently using it but that's also in many ways, it's strength because we can, we have the power to drown out the negativity and the fear, which honestly the church digitally is not doing very good job at. Um, And that, you know, so there's that, but I think one of the things that you pointed out, Jason, that I think is very important that the church needs to work on as a discipleship standpoint, especially digitally, Is there somebody else on the other side of that screen amen and there and that is i think that that is going to be and that is currently the biggest weakness of the digital expression is that we are for many people i think uh especially for those of us i am about to say this that are older you know jate Uh, you know having been more digital than you know the rest of us um, but there is we really do have a disconnect a lot of us do have that disconnect on there's somebody else on the other side of the screen who's hurt and broken and we really need to work on our own personal one-on-one compassion I I know this is gonna sound strange and people such as you know more the more corporeal people treat the screen as a human being, not in a creepy way and love them because that way the love of Christ will go through the screen.
0: Amen. I, I got to tell you, like just from my vantage point, as, as we've been as steady as we've been dreaming um, about what a digital church could be and, and praying through some different things. Honestly, like I'm taking a lot of my lessons from the micro church level, like the Casey underground, Tampa underground, um, and, and really even like the co-vocational ministers, the guy who have a full-time job and really look at their workplace as the opportunity to do ministry there. Seth Godin, I was listening to his podcast a couple weeks ago. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but he, he did. And I think I even wrote a blog on it. Uh, he, somebody asked him a question. It's 2020. Um, what platforms would you utilize to get a message out to the world? And, um, and in a typical Seth Godin fashion, he didn't answer the question he was asked. Instead, he answered another question. How would you get a message out to the world? And, and it wasn't. And, and I'm, Ian, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. Um, the strength of technology of, of the Internet today is not blog- broadcasting a message out to a billion people. There's so much noise on that line. No, nobody's listening. Um, and, and to Seth Godin's point, he's like, you don't create a message for a billion people or 100 million or even 10 million people, even a, even a million you want to get your message to the to the smallest number of people possible and then duplicate it from there and, and and so like when i when i look at at digital church i see an opportunity to reach a small amount of people to help multiple people find their audience and to help them get started to reach that audience in a, a as small as possible because i think the smaller you are the more that you realize there's a person on the other end of that webcam or the other end of that computer monitor. Um, And that enables the message to be received well and and hopefully repeated. Disciple making is key in this because the idea can't just go one generation, but it has to multiply after that. And so our hope in doing um, this digital church initiative is to really find ways to not broadcast, I, I true I would rather not, honestly. I would rather and we were actually Jay Joey, we were part of this conversation. I would rather not have a billion person church. Not really, not really interested in that. I would rather have a hundred million churches of ten that are multiplying and growing from there. Because I think that's where you're going to get the disciple making capacity. I think that's where you're going to truly understand fellowship. I think you're understanding community. Uh, and and you're also understanding the compassion uh, capacity to do things. Even in, in operating at Body Ministry, so much of this is easily reproduced in the smaller amounts, uh, in, in a smaller body of Christ. Um, the larger we get, the more unwieldy some of these things get, unfortunately. And that... That I feel is some of the tension that that we, uh, the church today is is feeling. The physical church, and even the physical church, feeling its judgments towards uh, the the virtual church. Conversation I had with Ed last week. And you can go back and listen to it. It's episode fifty fifty one, uh, with the podcast. Um, man, it was it was awesome because at, at some point he's like, he's like, I don't agree with church online, but Jeff, tell me your vantage point. How would you answer this question? I'm not going to give away the question, go listen to the podcast, but I answered the question and he's like, wow, I totally affirm everything you just said. That was incredible. And every church needs to do exactly what Jeffrey just said. At the heart of it, all I said was, hey, we need to start using online to make the disciple makers. If we can get people to stop being consumers and start being disciple makers, not only our digital churches will start to be able to uh, to replicate, but our physical church is going to find themselves getting closer to this biblical ecclesiology, biblical standard, the functions that we have in place. So this has been great. I really value y'all's insight working through this and the amount of time uh, that you spent digging into you know, the biblical functions of worship, teaching, prayer, sacraments, fellowship, disciple-making, compassion, justice, mission, global missions, and body ministry. Definitely Uh, a lot for us to think about and work through so for jate for ian for joey for jason this is jeff with the church digital thanks for being here and we'll see you next time here at the podcast y'all have a good day